You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This lesson is entitled The Pastor's Secretary with Mrs. Bonnie Furso. Mrs. Furso has been on staff at Lancaster Baptist Church for the past 20 years. She is Dr. Chapel's administrative assistant and is also an accomplished church pianist and a faithful soul winner. We are the pastor's secretary. Some of you work for associate pastors. Um, youth pastors, I want you to take something and when I, when I think of this, sometimes I can get unnecessarily overwhelmed because I think, and it's not my responsibility, it's the Holy Spirit's, I think, there's so many ministries, some ministries might have 50 people in them, some might have thousands of people in them, some of you might um, be in your first year of serving as a secretary, and some of you could get up here and, and talk circles around me and teach me a lot, but that's that's not my responsibility. I'm leaving that up to the Holy Spirit to help you and for you to tailor it for your ministry and for your pastor. And there's a lot of pastors represented here. So that means there's a lot of personalities and a lot of preferences represented here. So that's your responsibility to take this and tailor it to what your pastor would prefer. So the pastor secretary, who is she or who should she be? We know that God's business is the greatest business. Therefore, what you do for your pastor is very important, and you should take it very soberly and very seriously. We're all familiar with the verse in Proverbs that says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? I'd like to apply that to the pastor's secretary. Who could find a virtuous pastor's secretary for her price is far above rubies? He will trust the heart of her boss or her pastor to safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil or blemish or ruin. And you do have that potential. What does virtuous mean? It means conforming to moral and ethical principles, morally excellent and upright, and we need to lead a virtuous life. And when I think of some of these thoughts, I think, how fundamental is that? But have you ever heard of a pastor's secretary running off with the pastor before? Sure you have. So I'm not going to take some of these things for granted here. We know there are three components to a good working relationship. And forgive me because a lot of this is not in your notes. Write down what you want. But um, the three good components would be competence, knowing how to do your job, character, and chemistry. Have you ever, you know, even with kids, you know, have you ever seen two really good people but they just, Don't hit it off, you know, maybe two strong personalities or whatever. Chemistry is very important between you and and your pastor. And then there are three components in a good employee, and that's you, the pastor's secretary, which would be competence, responsibility, and dependability. These are three great attributes that your pastor needs in his secretary. Here are some attributes I believe that your pastor deserves in his secretary. And the first one is she is confidential. That's so basic, but this is imperative. You will see and hear and find out all kinds of things about people and situations, and you should not share them with anyone, and that means no one. Pastor knows, and my husband knows, I'm not going to go home and tell my husband everything that happened that day, who called, who counseled with pastor. I'm just not going to because I want 
pastor to be able to share things with my husband, and my husband's receiving it for the first time from pastor. It's not ethical. It's not that something could be so secretive necessarily, but it's not my business to be the channel from my hu- from pastor to my husband to inform him on everything. And a lot of things, like I said, might just be information, but it would just take one time for pastor to say to my husband about something, and my husband could say, oh, yeah, Bonnie already told me about that. And he might think, okay, what else does he know about this family that had counseling or whatever, you know? So keep it as a rule of thumb. Don't tell your husband. Don't tell your sister. And... Um, You'll be full of secrets. (laughs) She is resilient is next. She's a shock absorber. Don't get your feelings hurt easily. If you make a mistake, learn from it. Don't break and quit and, and get offended. You are the buffer. You're the complaint department. You're the problem solver. You're the yellow pages. You're all kinds of things. But you know what? We can lift the burden or we can be the burden. And that thought has really stuck with me the past couple of months. You will be one of these. And just ask yourself, which do I want to be? And I know what the answer is. I know you want to be a burden lifter and not be the burden. But how many times have I been the burden? Not on purpose. If you habitually send out letters with typos, or you're make, are you making your pastor look good or bad? Are you lifting the burden or being the burden? <laughs> um, are you, I remember one time in my early weeks of working here, It wasn't me, praise God. But a secretary had taken a letter and an envelope and mixed them up, and pastor's letter went to the wrong person. And, of course, what did they do? They brought it to church. They brought it to pastor. I got the wrong letter, and it sure made pastor look bad. And it also broke down a trust factor. Then for several months after that, he felt like he had to follow up, you know, make sure, you know, the people are getting the right letters and everything. But um, we do have that potential. Next, she is flexible. You've heard that before. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not get bent out of shape. Try and always have a positive response as a habit. I've seen people who are cranky, and if you're not careful over the years, it's just a habit. It's a lousy habit. But um, try and always have a response like, sure, no problem. Sure, I'll be glad to. Consider it done. Piece of cake. Whatever. But make sure it's not like this, Okay, I'll try to get it done. You know, just have it. You know, have you ever um, thought about the difference between acting and reacting? I hate that, but it's so true. Acting is that on purpose. When pastor asks me something, this is how I'm going to respond. Reacting is just doing it without thought. You know, whether it's at home with your husband or whatever, our reactions are showing, and they are scary sometimes. Um, have you had one of those days when you had your day all mentally planned out and it just went straight into the shredder? I read recently, plans are useful, but planning is essential. Because you can have your plan for the day and you know a crisis can come in or something and, and that's all out the window. Plan, plan, plan ahead, but be ready for your plans to go out the window. Next, she is humble. Ladies, If you get nothing else, you need God's hand upon your life. And pastor said, I believe it was Monday night, he said, if you get one thing out of this conference, it's you need to be spirit-filled. We'll touch on that in a minute. But God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Don't be one of those people that's known a reputation of it's my way or the highway. Or stay little in your own eyes and keep a servant's heart. This is a renewal every day. My husband and I have kind of been joking about this because he's been teaching in Sunday school 
about some basic things about the carnal man and the spirit-filled man. And carnality is going to lead to death, and spirit-filled life is going to lead to life and peace. And so, you know, he, would, he mentioned um, last Sunday, or the Sunday before that, we, I think the greatest thing that we battle with is our flesh. Do you ever say, Lord, I die to self, empty of myself, fill me with your power. And then five minutes later, something happens, and it's like, oh, Forgive me, Lord, I died to self, you know, because our flesh just rears its ugly head. And um, everything with the flesh comes naturally. You don't have to work at it. But the fruits of the Spirit don't come naturally. And you have to put that on, just like I had to put on a dress and a sweater this morning. I had to put it on on purpose. You have to put on those fruits of the Spirit every day on purpose and be empty of yourself. Stay humble. Next, she's friendly. And I'm not kidding. Does that sound silly or corny? She's friendly. Oh, duh, you know. But I'm not kidding. Have you ever spoken with someone who is not friendly? And right away it kind of pulls back your spirit and you think you're being a bother. I don't want my fellow workers to feel like they have to tiptoe up to me and petition their because Can you please, you know? You know, we know when somebody's having a bad day, there's a lady sitting there in tears, you know. But I'm not talking about that. I mean, I don't want you to be known for being that, and, and we all probably do know somebody like that. Be approachable and let it be known that you can be easily entreated, easily asked for something. Next, she gives service with a smile. Keep a good customer service attitude. And our pastor often refers to the Marriott policy. He loves the Marriott Hotel chain and for the reputation of professionalism. And, you know, when you call somebody, if it's not their line of area, they're going to get you an answer. They're not going to say, call extension 292 or that's not my area. You called the wrong number. Try this number. Don't you hate that when you've been online forever and then they say, here's the other number. You're like, just connect me, you know. <laughs> so um, this past Sunday, um, the Spanish department was moved out to the Student Life Center, but a lot of members happened to come that way, and I happened to be over there setting up for that lunch. And, you know, I could have easily said, make a left, go right, da-da-da-da-da. You know, and that is our nature when we're busy. But the Marriott policy would be, come here, I'll show you where you need to go. And, and just go that second mile and um, help people, be friendly. Henry Ford said, there's a lot of room on the second mile. Not a lot of people want to go there. <clears throat> to keep a smile, you know what you need to do sometimes is just whisper to yourself and say, slow down. I've got that written on some notes on my computer this week. I've been trying to tell myself that, okay, take a breath. Don't be so rushed. Slow down and praise the Lord. Just slow down. Again, it can be a habit. Slow down in your reading. By the way, this is Miss Honey Marin, and if you call Pastor's office, she is his receptionist upstairs, and she's my right arm, and I wouldn't want to think about working without her. I love her, and she's a blessing to me. And she is my safety net. She makes me look good. <laughs> she makes Pastor look good. But a lot of times we'll get, we get a lot of communication to both of us because people know we work so right-hand, you know, together. And um, I will, I'm a terrible speed reader. I'll be the first to admit I need to take Dr. R's class in college on speed reading. And so I'll read something real quickly. And then a lot of times I can misinterpret or not read it right. I am not a speed reader. I mean, I have to read word for word, you know, to comprehend something. And she's caught me many times. So don't so slow down and um, be careful about your reading. But have you ever made mistakes like that too because you just read something so quickly? Well, I finally I'm terrible even about reading labels. I finally figured out why I'm so full figured. As I was condition, conditioning my hair this morning in the shower, I took time to read my shampoo bottle and I'm in shock. 
The shampoo I use in the shower that rundowns my entire body says for extra volume and body. Seriously, why have I not noticed this before? (laughs) Tomorrow I'm going to start using Dawn dish soap. It says right on the bottle, dissolves fat that is otherwise difficult to remove. (laughs) Being funny, but slow down and it pays to read read labels and um, email slowly. As we just mentioned, the next one is she's spirit-filled. Okay, ladies, are you listening? If you only walk away from one thought from the whole conference, I believe that, like Pastor said, if it's this thought, God's going to help you and change your life and ministry in the areas that you work in. If you are in the pastor's office, you do face spiritual warfare. Sometimes I honestly feel like the devil works harder in our office, and I'm sure everybody feels like that, but seriously. Um, Do not come into the office without spending time with the Lord first. I'll I'll give an example of this morning. I got up and had plenty of time to do everything that I needed to do this morning, but I wasn't expecting so many texts and emails this morning, important things that needed to be done for the conference, and before I knew it, it was 7.30, and my hair wasn't done yet. (laughs) I'm supposed to be at my desk at 8 o'clock, so started texting people, I'm going to be late, you know. But sometimes curveballs like that come, I know, and this is an exception to the week, but always have your time with the Lord first. Um, There might be a quote there in your notes. Stay positive. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And, And just reflect for a second. Be honest with yourself. You know you more than anybody else does. Which are you? Which is your natural tendency? Is it natural for you to be positive and always see the bright side of things, or is it natural for you to be pessimistic? I don't know how we're going to get that done. Well, if we do it, you know, it's going to take a lot longer. And, you know, what is your bent, you know? Um, Work on it. If you are um, an optimist, I mean a pessimist by nature, work on it. Don't say, well, that's just the way that I am. Next, she's honest and trustworthy. And I know that's pretty self-explanatory, but have you ever caught somebody in a lie And that causes you the next time to wonder if they're even telling the truth. It it does mar the character just a little bit. So be honest and be known for being honest and trustworthy. Next, she's respectful and professional. Again, that sounds so fundamental, but you need to dress appropriately, whatever is appropriate for your ministry. Dress professionally. I know that when I'm dressed more casually, I feel like I'm a little more casual in my Everything, you know, a little bit more laid back. It does affect you. Have a professional attitude. Um, And be careful. I feel like when I am in my office, I am a steward. I can't just sit and chit-chat on the phone um, unwisely. I might be talking with a member, and you can justify that and say, well, she's a member of the church. I'm encouraging her. I hope you're following me. But you are sitting in that office, and you are paid with a purpose to get something accomplished. And at the end of the day, if you're not careful, you could have talked a lot, and you could have emailed a lot and texted a lot. But what did you get done? Did you get done what you were asked to do? We all have a job description, don't we? And um, you've got to think about that because my job description tells me what I need to do and and why I'm there, yet don't have that line where, well, that's not in my job description. I can't do that either. So um, be wise and be trustworthy even in the stewarding of your time. 
Have professional body language. Um, be very careful walking on the other side of the desk when you bend over. I mean, something like this, I wouldn't have to be so careful, but, you know, I always try to bend like this. You know, simple thing, but just be aware. Teach your daughters that. Um, and be disciplined. Be disciplined in your personal life. Do you, do you ladies ever notice how much your personal life ref, um, affects the rest of your life? The other day, I just, um, honey was on out of town. She was um, a teen counselor, and it was just a little bit extra in the office, of course. No problem. I was expecting that. But there wasn't just that going on. I had a lot going on where it was like night after night. I was getting home at 930 at night. And that affects you when you leave the house at 7, 730, and you get home at 930 every night, and you're working every day, and the treadmill's going, and, you know, you're not stopping. Well, I say that to say my personal life because you have to work really hard to keep everything right at home. Because when I come into the office and everything's not right at home, what happens? It affects you, doesn't it? But when I walk into my house, when I, okay, let's say when I leave my house in the morning and the house is in order, believe me, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not talking about no dust, no dirt anywhere. You know, when I, you could walk into my house right now and say it's in order. I think that's very important. The Bible says do everything decently and in order. But if you leave your house in the morning, you've got dishes in the sink and you've got laundry everywhere. You know what I'm saying? The bed's not made, obvious things. Then you are coming to work and you're not, you're not ready to be at work. Things, first things first, God's a God of order, priorities, um, keep things right at home. And so when my life, you know, I can be busy at home, I can be busy at church and in the office and my ministries, but when it's all, that's when you have to step back and say, okay, inhale, exhale, let's get a hold on the balance here. And it's not common for me to get home every night at 930. And I know that, and I know I'm in a season. So I told myself that. I was going to say, come have a seat, but you're going to take a picture. Okay, great. Cheese. Everybody say cheese. <laughs> so do you, do you follow me? So I said right here, um, be disciplined in your personal life. So that's first things first. Do you read your Bible and pray every morning before you start your day? No? Okay, let's start there. Do you leave the house in order? No, let's start there. You know, um, the key to me is always going to bed with the house in order. You know, if you go to the bed with dirty dishes and all that, what are you going to wake up to? Oh, boy, you're an hour behind before you even get started. Okay? So it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married and have seven children. Um, get your outfit out or know in your head what you're going to wear the day before. Have you ever stood there and you say to your husband, I pick out something for me. I don't even know what to wear. I have nothing to wear, you know, and he looks in the closet. What does he say? Uh, he looks like you got plenty to wear to me, you know, but it's a mental thing. You know, I don't feel like wearing that today. I feel fat today or whatever we say, you know, so do whatever you can the night before and get your personal life together and then your spiritual life and your office and ministry life. I have found, you have found that whenever there's a fruit problem, there's a root problem. If the root is that you're undisciplined, have you ever met somebody? Unfortunately, we do get first impressions quickly, don't we? Have you ever met somebody and they just seem maybe disheveled? You know, Einstein people sometimes can come across like that. They're so smart and they're, you know, like the um, mad scientist or something. But have you ever met somebody and honestly, in the back of your mind, you thought, I wonder how disciplined they are. Don't get me wrong. Don't all look at me like that. I'm not being a judge of people. But if there's ever a fruit, there's always the root. And so if you are struggling with something with the fruit at work, um, 
whatever it is, maybe disorganization, maybe carelessness, maybe a lot of typos, maybe you're messy, maybe you're lazy, maybe you can't ever meet a deadline, probably that fruit is the root, and maybe you are um, undisciplined. Next, she's dependable. She is on time. She's in her place, both in office and ministry. And it's a good goal to get to the office before your boss does, if you can. Next, she's a gatekeeper. You want to insulate, not isolate. You know the difference, right? Insulate is protecting him. Isolating is not keeping everything from him. He doesn't need to know everything. He doesn't want to know everything. Um, Our pastor doesn't want to be blindsided, he says, and we can help with that. Do you understand what that means? Don't let him just, like, find out about something or go to church and somebody died and he didn't even know, you know. You can help train the staff also to communicate to your pastor. Okay, determine when to give him information, and um, it should not be all day long. And I'm going to share something with you that we have transitioned in our office Our pastor is a high communication man, and he likes to be given a lot of information on a normal day. He'll say, any updates, any updates, any updates, you know, he wants to know, he wants to be informed. But, um, you know, our pastor went through a trial, and so we've adjusted some things. And the way we used to do it was we'd give him a lot of information every day. He didn't like it to pile up, you understand? But what we've changed that's helped our pastor that I want you to consider that might help your pastor, he might hate it, don't do it if he hates it, is um, a word we could maybe use would be batching. So for instance, this is give or take, but our goal is um, to feed pastor information at certain times, on certain days. Um, Our pastor has never been one to take Monday off. He is changing that a little bit, and Mondays we're pulling back. Um, so, for instance, on a Monday, and more like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we are holding more information from him, unless it's high-end and he needs to know. Monday, we're giving him a break. They say that preaching one sermon is like working a hard day of manual labor for eight hours. And our pastor preaches three times on Sunday. So, he's such a go-go guy, it took him a trial to realize what he needed to do on Monday, and he's trying to do that. So Tuesday and Wednesday, we feed him more information. He knows that's coming. It's not from 8 to 5, but there's certain times a day we're going to feed him information that he needs to know. The reason I say we don't do it on Thursday is because on a typical week, Thursday would be his day off. And isn't um, technology a blessing? And isn't technology a curse? (laughs) What I mean is, you know, we are so connected. There's texting and emailing, and, and it's all right there. And what we found was happening more and more is he so-called had Thursdays off, but he was so connected. And do you feel like that sometimes? I mean, don't get like, oh, this is my day off. Leave me alone. I know. <laughs> but we all need wisdom, and we all need to um, at least plan for those times to rest mentally and spiritually, physically. So for him, um, we're trying to train the staff, and that's what it takes. And that's why I said be careful. Don't go out of here and say, you know, I'm going to whip this staff in shape and tell my pastor the way we need to do it. You know, please have wisdom. But this has helped our pastor because too many staff members were, were constantly giving him information. It was all probably okay 
but it wasn't okay. Because right away, um, so-and-so this made his mind start thinking, okay, this, that, and the other, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And he never, he was never disconnecting, and it, it caught up with him. Um, so Friday, we are trying to guard more and more for him to get ready for Sunday. And he is in the office, and he is having a staff meeting and other things like that. But we, on purpose, are not just feeding him information. This takes a little bit of planning on your staff's part because we can get lazy, and we wouldn't see it like that. It's like, um, oh, i got to tell Pastor to shoot him an email. Pew. And so it's off my plate. It's off my mind. I put it on his, though. And so, really, that can be lazy. Do you see what I'm saying? Or... Um, we get a lot of phone calls where people, I have to know this, I have to know this. It's hard, but we're trying to teach the staff, um, please think ahead. You know, they knew Sunday was coming. They had all week to ask this question. Um, our pastor does meet with the leadership team, and a lot of them have some one-time time, one time with them. So all of our staff falls under a leadership team member. So if you plan and prepare, you know what your questions are, you take them to your leadership team member, and then they ask pastor at the appropriate time. But if you don't plan, you're disorganized, and everything comes on a whim, then everything's a crisis for you. Don't you hate to live in crisis mode? So this has helped us. Um, if you have any questions about this, please feel free to stay after, and you can talk to either of us. But this has really helped us. And it's, like I said, it's just taking planning on our part, but it's such a help to him to free his mind. And I said, some pastors detach easier than others, and our pastor's not one of them. Some pastors might be gifted. They can put their head on the pillow, and two breaths later, they're sleeping. My husband has to be one of those... He is. It's a gift from God, I say, <laughs> when you can lay your head down and go to sleep. But um, a lot of people can't do that, and a lot of people maybe on their day off can be checking emails and then check out right away, but you know how your pastor's wired. And don't be guilty of being more concerned about getting information off your desk and your to-do list than you are considerate of his time and his um, needs there. You know his preferences, and I think you can help him with that. It's probably in your notes. If you don't have time to do it right, when do you have time to do it again? Slow down. I'm just going to share a, a few more thoughts with you about what makes a great administrative assistant. And there's no notes there, so would you just write down a note, a word or two, if something sticks out for you maybe to bring back thoughts later? What do you think makes a great administrative assistant? Um, is it outstanding organizational skills, having great judgment and strength as a gatekeeper? Is it having a knack for anticipating and solving problems? We know it's not all about making coffee and typing letters and answering phones, ordering lunch, or office supplies anymore. A young officer was working late at the Pentagon one evening. As he came out of his office around 8 o'clock one night, he sees the general standing by the classified document shredder in the hallway with a piece of paper in his hand. The general says, Do you know how to work this thing? My secretary has gone home, and I don't know how to run it. Yes, sir, said the young officer. He turns on the machine, takes the paper from the general, and feeds it right in. The general says, well, thank you. I just need one copy. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Uh-oh, it's not a copy machine. This was very interesting to me. I did a survey with some pastors and some assistants, and they gave me some thoughtful feedback about what was the most help to them through their assistant. And I enjoyed reading the responses. One said, my assistant has an encouraging and cheerful spirit. 
How hard is that? How important is that? How often do we see that? My assistant has a servant's heart to take care of even little requests with a dependable and positive spirit. My assistant anticipates what needs to be done. Don't you just love that when you do something and then he asks you to do it? You can say, already done. The most helpful thing is the management of my schedule, one pastor said. While the outside speaking schedule is a major task, returning phone calls, emails, getting the itinerary for the week, making plane reservations, etc., the other area I refer to is my day-to-day management of my office time wisely. Another administrator stated, I'm in the classroom on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6.30 in the morning till 1 o'clock, and on Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 to 2.30. This means that a lot of people are coming by, calling, emailing while I am out of the office. My assistant treats all of them as important and special and makes sure that no one feels like I am not available. She then manages to fit them into the tight window of the afternoons or in any or in and around in and around any evening activities. I know she gets frustrated at times with the volume of it all, but that never shows when she's dealing with people. To me, that is very valuable and important. She gives attention to details, one pastor said. She's conscientious. Later, after one of these pastors had responded to me, A couple days later, he emailed me again. He said, the most important thing my assistant does for me changes. It's whatever I need her to do right now. So it's hard to nail down a specific task or function, he said, since the urgent changes so quickly. That's flexibility, isn't it? That's why I put keeping a great spirit as number one, because that matters all the time and greatly impacts how she responds when what is important changes. And another pastor said, she reminds me. I thought it was interesting. I was reading, and they were talking about the secretary in the 1950s. And by the world standard, she was described as conservative and loyal. Still a good, great, great quality, isn't it? She is organized. She has attention to details. Multitasking is a must. She wears many hats. She follows through on tracking, organizing events, projects, and appointments. On a side note, when we talk about tracking, you know what's near and dear to your pastor's heart. I always tease and say our pastor would make a great secretary. <laughs> He's got a great mind, and he, for, he doesn't forget things. He forgets things, but he doesn't forget the important things. And... Um, and a situation came up. It was around Easter time. And he had asked somebody about something on our website. And so the office was contacted, his office, and the secretary sent him an email, and nothing ever happened. And I know human error, you know, you've got a lot of emails in your inbox. But about five days later, what do you think happened? It came to pastor's mind. And he said, didn't I tell so-and-so to change that website. Five days later, it wasn't done. Tracking down the line back to the secretary, she said, well, I sent him an email. Was there ownership there? Was there follow-through? And I know you can't follow through on every single detail, but if you know something's important to your pastor, you know, get your own method of tracking something. Um, We do that. We call it time activation. 
In fact, a year ago, um, our office, someone had asked for something to be done. And so do you think we're going to remember? Of course, you never trust your memory, but we time activated it. And when the calendar date came up appropriately, here was that memo. So-and-so says to do this for our office this week. And so um, he, the, anyways, it got done, you know. Sometimes your pastor may be amazed and think you are the greatest secretary and so smart when you use that little tool. But it, it really works. Don't trust your memory and have a way to time activ- activate everything. If you have a question on that, ask us later and we can show you what works for our office. A good assistant knows when to keep her mouth closed and when not to keep her mouth closed. You're an assistant and you are su- a supporter. Don't act like a mother or a nag. Sometimes you need to tell your pastor something you don't want to tell him. That happened to me yesterday morning. Something happened. You know what? Have you ever learned that something might not be your fault, but somehow you get blamed for a lot? And that's okay, you know? When I know I have a clean conscience, I'm okay, but you do get blamed for a lot. But you know what? That's, that's a good and a bad thing. The good part about it is someone expects a lot out of you, and you should be following through. Well, something happened with an airport run, and, and so I was in pastor's office yesterday morning, and sometimes he just says something right into your soul, and he said, is there anything I need to know? He said three times. By the third time, I said, well, <laughs> and I told him something, and somebody later said, why did you tell pastor that? Um, he didn't need to worry about that or bother with it. It was a person that it happened to. And I said, well, he wouldn't want to be blindsided. I could just see what would happen is a joke would be made about it. And then he's like, what are you talking about? So I'd rather him hear it from me, you know. And I was like, we're sorry it happened and all that. But so um, what was my point there? No one to tell him and no one not to tell him. He'd rather hear it from you. Keep him informed without over-informing him. And all I can say about that is, is Proverbs says, principle, uh, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Every day, I know I'm over my head, and I say, Lord, I need your wisdom. What a gift it is of the Holy Spirit to give us discernment. Don't you need it? Do I tell pastor this now? Do I tell him later? You know, does he need to know it at all? The pastor's secretary, she remembers the pressures the pastor is under and doesn't bother the pastor with every little problem. Listen well, present solutions rather than just dwelling on the problems, Present a professional appearance and attitude at all times, and don't bring your personal problems to work. You know, there's a difference between someone saying, how you doing, and someone saying, really, what's the matter, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? Have wisdom and discernment there, and don't burden him with every little problem. A good assistant follows through quickly and efficiently with all tasks, and a good, good assistant knows how to read her pastor's handwriting, doesn't she? Let's close. And ladies, don't let your skills and abilities get too outdated. Don't be intimidated with technology, but don't be the last person on the vote either. I have a friend who went to Best Buy. They offered computer classes. She got a new Macintosh computer, and she wanted to learn more about it. And my hat really went off to her that she took that effort to go and to learn some things. Uh, The tools are available. Don't get stagnant and don't say, I've always done this way, and you walk around everywhere with a yellow pad, and that's about your whole system. Keep growing and keep learning and stretching yourself. And I've asked this of myself. Please ask yourself, have I grown this year? If you were doing something in a certain way last year and it wasn't working, bad habits, are you, you know, are you doing it this year? Are you better this year? Am I more humble than I was a year ago? Am I closer to the Lord than I was last year? Thank you for listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was entitled The Pastor's Secretary with Mrs. Bonnie Fursa. 
This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.